Hello and welcome to the 94 Feet Report. I am your host, as always, Eric Spropolis, and you can find me on Twitter at Eric Spiros. Uh, just wanted, before we get started with our first episode of Free Talk Fridays, which I'll explain in a little bit, I just want to mention our sponsors, Fan Essentials. If you use promo code 94FEET at checkout, you'll get your 30% off your first subscription of Fan Essentials. And by Daily Fantasy Nerd. Um, if you play Daily Fantasy, DraftKings, FanDuel, any combination of the two, eventually, if they're a merger. Um, if you want to get some great Daily Fantasy tools, just check out Daily Fantasy Nerd and specifically check out the link that I posted on Twitter several times and our episode descriptions on our podcast, and you'll help the podcast out and get great daily fantasy tools. Now let's move into uh, kind of a new kind of style of our show that we're going to be doing uh, each Friday moving forward. So we have our uh, normal hour episode that debuts Tuesday morning on All In Sports Talk Radio Network, as well as Blog Talk Radio and iTunes, etc. And then starting Fridays from now on, we're going to be doing something called Free Talk Fridays, where it'll be like kind of a 30-minute, really casual conversation. Um, we're not going to really write – I'm not going to prepare any kind of statistics or in-depth analysis from on my podcast notes. I'm just going to talk kind of off the top of my head, kind of casual, like you would with your friends or coworkers or whatever. Um, and we'll just do this for about 30 minutes every Friday, talking about random topics each week and making it really casual. This week – we are lucky to be joined by Alex Spropolis once again, a long-time running uh, guest on the show. Um, he's going to come. We're going to talk about the awards races so far. Um, we'll talk about Alex's leaders of the awards races, mine, which I I'll, did on uh, Tuesday in the previous episode of the podcast. Then we'll talk about hypothetical trades we want to see happen throughout this season, and then we'll end with uh, a little game uh, we call above or below, and we'll talk about teams playing above or below their actual talent level. So with that being said, I'm going to introduce Alex Spropolis. Alex, how are you doing today? I'm good, Eric. Thanks for having me again. I'm glad to be here um, sort of quarter way through the season. Yeah, I think uh, it is almost exactly the quarter way for some teams at least. Um, so let's dive right into it. So the awards race, uh, we'll do an awards race update. I'm just going to repeat for anyone who missed um, the episode that was released on Tuesday. I did uh, my update on the awards races and I also did a video for NBA lead which you can find on my Twitter page about the awards races I'm just going to repeat them and then I would like you to go in order of how I do the awards and explain a little bit about why you have each person for each award uh, leading each award right now so rookie of the year I have Joel Embiid I think it's pretty pretty common sense at this point he's just been really just incredible so far Uh, for most improved player of the year I have Clint Capella for sixth man of the year I have Zach Randolph for Defensive Player of the Year, I have Rudy Gobert. For Coach of the Year, I have Luke Walton right now. And for MVP, I have James Harden. Again, if you missed the um, Tuesday episode of the podcast, go back and listen to the first 20 or so minutes of that episode because I go more in-depth as to why I chose those people to lead the categories and those awards. Um, so those are my uh, you know, leaders of the awards races so far. So why don't you just go in order and just a little bit, some in brief but in-depth and a little bit analysis of why you have those leaders. Sure. So um, I agree with you, Rookie of the Year, Joel Embiid. I mean, when you look at this year's rookie class, there is no real competition besides him. Um, You know, like you said, I think in your elaboration on this, um, you know, he is on a minutes restriction as of now, and yet he's still blowing away the rest of his rookie class in terms of points scored, efficiency, um, field goal percentage. Um, So I think he is probably hands down, might be almost unanimous Rookie of the Year um, in uh, for this year, um, I think next you had uh, six man. Is that correct? Six man of the year is next. Uh, yeah. Uh, six man of the year. I'm actually 
going to disagree with you. I think that um, Lou Williams is going to be six man of the year again. He's going to win that award. I know he won it, I think, two years ago in Toronto. Um, I think that he is providing, you know, once again, his instant off, quote unquote, instant offense. Um, the Lakers, I think that he, you know, he's averaging around like in the mid teens, I think, in terms of points per game. He's providing that team with a nice boost. Um, so I think that he'll be six man of the year uh, for. Um, as of right now, in this qu- sort of quarter way through the season. Um, moving to uh, most improved player of the year. Again, I disagree. I think you have Clint Capella. I have Kristaps Porzingis. I think that not only is Kristaps Porzingis going to benefit from for his candidacy for this um, this award from his big market that he plays for the Knicks, but I think that he is also improving in terms of the amount of points he scores per game. I think he's up around improving around seven or eight more points per game than he uh, was averaging last year. Um, he's not seeing a great uptick in terms of rebounds or any of the other stats that we like to evaluate players with. But um, I think that his big market, uh, big name, big following will probably lead to him getting some sort of award this year, probably most improved player, in my opinion. Um, moving to uh, Defensive Player of the Year, um, once again, I think we're going to differentiate here. I have Draymond Green. Um, just as of now, you know, if you watch Draymond Green, if you watch the the Warriors, you know, Draymond Green can really guard basically all five positions, um, regardless of who is on the court for the opposing team. And that's some that's a type of versatility that you really don't see in an NBA, um, you know, in the NBA anymore. Maybe LeBron James, but um, aside from from LeBron, you know, Draymond Green is a really good, solid defender um, at all five positions um, at the, at that high level. So I think that you have to give it to Draymond Green, although I think a lot of it will factor into the, you know, he was already in the running for that award coming into the season, so that will play into how people were, will sort of think about his performances throughout the year. Yeah, I think he was second in the voting last year as well. Yeah, I think so. Um, and then, so I, for Coach of the Year, right now I couldn't really decide you know between the first you know 20 or so games I decided to either give it to Popovich or Rivers I thought about giving it to to Steve Kerr but like I guess I mean you you've lost three games so I don't know if that's worthy of being coach of the year now um Popovich I think that you know every it's almost like every year he's in the running for coach of the year and at this point I don't think any other coaches maybe like you said Luke Walton who's done an impressive job with the Lakers has you know, superseded what Popovich has done. The Spurs are 15 and four right now, which is quite impressive. Um, and then also Doc Rivers with his Clippers at 15 and five, just coming off the last night's um, win against the Cavs, which was an impressive victory over the top Eastern Conference opponent. But um, I think as of right now, I have those two guys sort of neck and neck um, again for the Coach of the Year award. And then finally, moving on to. Um, the most valuable player. I have Russell Westbrook. Um, I know it's going to sound cliche. You're picking James Harden. <laughs> you're a Rockets fan. I'm a Thunder fan. I'm picking Russell Westbrook. But I think that regardless of, you know, the Thunder, not super impressive record, I think that if Russell, Russell Westbrook is averaging a triple-double right now, which is unheard of, it hasn't happened in 50-some-odd years since the Big O. And I think that at this point, you kind of have to give it to Russell Westbrook just for the sheer amazing stats that he is putting up on a consistently night-by-night basis. Yeah, I mean, uh, when I did the uh, – so I did the my awards race update for Tuesday. And uh, I put Harden, and then basically by last night, I, I had been convinced and convinced myself that it really should be Westbrook. And then 
then Harden last night went went off. Well, I wasn't even. I wouldn't even say he went off. I mean, he he shot poorly from the field. Seven turnovers. He did. He needed the overtimes to get the triple double, anyways. But I think that that win kind of speaks to what Harden and not only Harden but the Rockets have done. Um, they have, according to ESPN. Uh, we were talking about this on Twitter, I think, two nights ago. The Rockets have the third highest strength of schedule. Um, after tonight's game against the Nuggets in Denver, they will have played 14 of their first 20 games on the road, which is which is essentially unheard of. I think that hasn't been done in 20 years for a team in the NBA. Right. Um, so the fact that they have a 12-7 and record with the third hardest schedule in the league with 14 of the first 20 on the road, I mean, we know Harden leads the team and does everything. So the fact that they have such, I mean, it's not a great record, but when you, of course, when you consider that schedule, um, I think that the team overall has been performing a little bit better than the Thunder, um, though the Thunder are not far behind in the standings and have had an easier schedule so far. But right, and I, I'm of the opinion that uh, you know James Harden's stats are quite impressive. He has over what it's he's like leading the league and assists 12, 12 assists per game, and so I think that I'm on, I'm of the opinion is if if Westbrook stays with a triple double and if he somehow manages to average a triple double throughout the course of the entire year 82 game season i think that it's going to be nearly impossible for people not to vote for him for mvp um for him not to get the award but i think that if he drops below the triple double and say averages only nine rebounds i think that you'll see the award go to someone else if the thunder's record stays you know just simply not that spectacular and the rockets do do excel and exceed and continue the pace that they're on now so yeah. i think that it's a matter of if it's Russell has a triple double or not. If he does, I think it's gonna be hard for people not to give it to him. If he doesn't, I think that it'll easily go to some other, some other player. If the Thunder don't pick up their course of play. Yeah, and the thing is, the important, the important thing to acknowledge and consider is that the people voting for these awards. So you know, fans and analysts um, like myself who like to look at like deeper, advanced statistics on on players. Um, there's a there's a there's a good amount of advanced numbers like real plus minus, um, offensive win shares, offensive box plus minus that favor Harden, but the voters are generally like media members and people and you know commentators, analysts, etc. who follow follow the teams and don't and really most of the time don't even look at those numbers. So when you say that if Russ averages a triple double throughout the season and the and the Thunder are, are at least I'd say sixth or better in the conference. I think he would get it because, you know, the, the people who vote for the awards look – I don't want to say look superficially at only the points, assists, rebounds, steals, right. blocks, but they do not really look at the advanced numbers. Now, some do and some will look at that and acknowledge that, but a lot of voters will say, wow, triple-double, they're in the playoffs, you know, 45, 48 wins and that kind of range. Got to give it a rust. And, you know, maybe some people like the narrative of him, you know, just destroying as a one-man show after KD kind of be- – betrayed the, the, the thunder so again right, it's important yeah. to consider the, the voters in this situation not really us um but again i think as i mentioned on the episode for tuesday i think coach of the year is the hardest to pick right now but i think mvp is close second and in terms of like who to pick as a leader right now mm-hmm. people from lebron is is doing an incredible job cp3 is doing a great job westbrook um harden durant's having a super efficient unheard of kind of season um so there's a lot of candidates. Again, I think that each month, I think the leaders of those awards will almost essentially change. But uh, again, we want to keep it to a little bit of a shorter show, casual show. So let's move on to our second kind of topic, hypothetical trades you want to see happen. Um, so I've written down just a couple of ideas that I want to see happen in terms of trade, not specific trades themselves. Um, but the first is, can we get a small forward to the Clippers? <laughs> I mean, 
I'm not, I'm a huge fan of Mbamute. Um, he's a, he's really embraced the kind of like defensive roles, standing at the three point line in the corner, and just you got to hope and pray that he hits those shots. And I think he's hitting about forty percent of them, forty percent of corner three so far. Which I don't know if he can keep that up, but mm-hmm. um, there's that's a clearly the big weakness of the Clippers besides their bench, which they've struggled with for years, which has been somewhat decent so far this season. But the thing is, can we get a small forward to the Clippers? I mean. Can we get Wilson Chandler there? Can we get Damari Carroll there? We know the Clippers were willing to spend money, so they can get those contracts right there. Maybe even Rudy Gay. Rudy Gay doesn't really fit the Clippers um, because he doesn't provide any defense, and they don't really need another guy with the ball in his hands with CP3 and Blake there. Um, but can we get some kind of confident, essentially almost a 3 and D small forward to the Clippers? Because without that, I really just can't see them as a true, true contender to knock off the Warriors in the West. Um, and then I'll... Yeah, I agree, with you. I agree with you there. I think that like if you watch the Clippers play um, on certain nights, it almost looks like they're missing something. And I think that you know they had a couple I would consider bad losses. If you're going to be a contending team with the Warriors, I think they lost to Indiana, uh, the Nets. They lost to in double overtime. I just think that there's almost looks like there's something one piece is missing out that would take them from that level where they are now, which is a very good basketball team and bring them to that level where you're going to be competing with the Warriors and the, and the Spurs, which is like that ultra elite level. And you're putting them with the Cavs there too. So I think that, I think you're, I think you're right. They definitely need an extra piece. And I think that the small forward position would definitely benefit them in terms of like where they, what they need right now and what's available out there on the market. Yeah, exactly. Um, and getting the right small forward is important too, because they need the small forward who can who can defend and hit some shots as well. Mubai Mude really can't do both, so right. they need to find the right small forward. The next uh, player I want to talk about for a trade is actually someone who I wrote an article on on our new ninety four feet report blog. Uh, you can find the links on my Twitter and our Facebook page. Um, and uh, I wrote about this player and his team and the situation for the blog um, posted uh, yesterday. So check out that article; it's a more in depth analysis, but. Can we get Greg Monroe out of Milwaukee, please? I mean, as I said in the article, this guy is too talented to be to be receiving uh, did not play coaches' decisions in games, which he has received this season somehow. Um, so can we just get a Monroe trade to somewhere he'll actually play? Maybe the Knicks want to look for him for center because they Yoki Noah has been terrible. Um, Monroe has a player option. The Knicks will probably be willing to spend. They might be desperate. They're around. They're hovering around 500. They do want to make the playoffs. We know that. And Noah has been a complete disaster so far. Um, so maybe they look for Monroe to put him at center alongside Porzingis. Maybe they put Monroe at power forward and Porzingis at center, which a lot of people want to see. Maybe the Wizards get really desperate. I'm talking really desperate here and just need Instead of wanting to blow it up because there are a lot of rumors of tension in that locker room, maybe they want to add someone else to try and see if they can squeak into that eighth seed. Maybe the Wizards become desperate. Maybe even the Blazers become more desperate for a big man. Festus Azili still hasn't played this season. The Blazers' defense is horrible. Um, we know Monroe isn't exactly a stout defender, but he could add some kind of post presence for the Blazers, which is essentially their biggest weakness as well. So. I want to see Monroe get traded somewhere where he'll play at least 20, 25 minutes a game because, as I said in the article, when he's been given the time, he's been very productive. Um, you, know, you can comment on Monroe trade or you can comment on an, another trade you'd like to see since we don't have a lot of time. I think um, I agree with you. I think Monroe deserves his opportunity to play, and I think that there are a lot of teams that would be able to provide him with that opportunity. I think Knicks is an interesting option considering that they were one of his, they were trying to land him a couple years back before he signed that contract with the Bucks. Um, I want to talk about another uh, big man, uh, um, which has been the, at the speculation of a lot of trade rumors, DeMarcus Cousins. 
Um, I think that it's time that DeMarcus Cousins got to play for a contender. I mean, it's his seventh or sixth or seventh year in the league, and he is just stuck on that team putting up high 20s and double-digit rebounds every night, and there's no help. There's the team doesn't seem to be progressing anywhere. So I think that I would like to hear if you know if there are any places that you think that he'd be a good fit for. I know that people have talked about Boston and him being able to boost their points in the paint and stuff like that. So is there any other places that you think that he would be beneficial for? Well, the thing is that some you know there have been a lot of rumors, obviously, about Cousins being shipped out. But recently there have been rumors about Cousins wanting to lure John Wall to Sacramento, which would be extremely interesting. Um, would instantly make the Kings a contender for the eighth seed. <laughs> Not a contender overall, obviously. But uh, they got that would put them with two, I would say, top 20 players. When you have that, if you don't make the playoffs with them, then there's some serious issues there. Um, I, re- I agree. I would, like to make, I would like to see the Kings make a move in general. So I mentioned Rudy Gay before. Maybe I, I think it's more likely they trade Gay to someone. You know, it's been pretty clear he's he's been pretty open about, you know, wanting to leave. You know, he's planning to leave in free agency, I heard. Um, so it makes more sense and probably more likely that they trade gay. But recently on podcasts from, you know, Zach Lowe and, and uh, Nate Duncan, people have been talking about executives being very optimistic that if the Kings stay what they're doing right now, which is, I think, four-ish games under 500, that by the trade deadline this year, it looks like they're going to shop him because they want to get some value for him because – it's almost a guarantee he's going to leave in free agency once his contract is up after next season because he, a player with that kind of talent has to play it for a contender. So you mentioned the Celtics. Um, it's really hard to see a lot of other trade destinations. First of all, you need a team that needs a big man, a team that has enough to, to trade for Cousins because it's going to take you realistically two, two young promising players or maybe an established player and a young player with promise and then what, two first-round picks? It's going to take a lot to trade Cousins. He is that kind of transcendent talent. So I agree. I would like to see the Kings make a move in general, whether it be Gay or Cousins. Um, So before we move on to our final segment, do you have any other trades you'd like to see quickly? Um, Just quickly, I want to say that there's been a lot of speculation of Rudy Gay going to uh, Oklahoma City, and I'm not a fan of that. I don't think that his player option next year, $14 is really worth it. I don't think that would help that much. I also think that trading... Enes Cantor, which has been a lot of the speculation surrounding that trade, would not be beneficial for the team's morale. You know, he's very good friends with Stephen Adams. He provides a spark off the bench, and as you can see in certain recent games, you know, he can he's capable of scoring 20, 25 points a game. I mean, his defense is not very good, but he's a he's a big part of that locker room, and it would definitely damage the chemistry overall. I think. Yeah, that, that's been a pretty hot rumor so far, and interesting to see. Maybe they pull the trigger. Maybe the Thunder get desperate. Maybe they just want another threat. Um, to close games because maybe down the stretch, maybe especially in the playoffs, you know, teams will start knowing how to guard Westbrook and daring other players to beat them. Well, there, one thing I can say about Rudy Gay is he knows how to play in the clutch. Um, I was just looking at some numbers the other day, and Gay has, I think, um, over the past like seven or eight seasons, has the highest shooting percentage in clutch situations. Um, so whether Westbrook wants to give up the ball is another story to Gay because Gay really just works in isolation, which would not really be working out. Um, Westbrook and Durant had problems working in isolation together, so right. we'll see about that. Um, but let's move on to our final segment. Um, it's a little game we call Above or Below. Um, so I'm just going to list out some teams, no order really, and um, Alex and I will say if we think we're, they're playing above or below their actual level of play. So are they as talented as their record suggests? Are they more talented? Are they less talented, etc.? So Rocket... Uh, I almost gave away the first team. So, Alex, the Rockets, are they playing above or below their actual level? I think they're 
playing their exactly level that they I expected them to play at. I think they're a very talented team. I think that in that Mike D'Antoni offense, I think that that did the, they're going to be scoring a lot of points, getting a lot of possessions. Yeah, I think the Rockets are playing a little bit. Of, I think they're playing a little bit above their level, only because I expected a slower start, mainly due to the schedule. And you know, they did have a lot of significant pieces, so you never know how that comes together as fa- as quickly as it has so far. Number two, the Clippers, above or below? I think they're playing above their level. I, I mean, I wasn't so hot on them in the beginning of the year. I didn't think they're going to be directly competing for a Western Conference championship. But at fifteen and five through 20 games, that's quite impressive, although they've had a string of bad losses in the last couple of days. That's why I'm going to go with below, actually. I was pretty high on the Clippers, not high enough to put them above the Spurs. I had them as the third seed in the West, which I think the majority of people did. But I did see them as someone who could beat the Spurs in the playoffs and be that real Western Conference threat to the Warriors. And I, I have them below only because of those three losses that you mentioned. They got blown out in Detroit, then simultaneously went to get blown out in Indiana, and then they lost in double overtime to the Nets, albeit without Blake Griffin, who was resting. But still, those are two bad blowout losses and a, and a game they were uh, they really should have put away in Brooklyn, and though it did give us one of the most memorable coach ejections in recent history. Yes. Um, let's see, the third team, the Oklahoma City Thunder, your favorite team. Um, I th- I'm going to say I'm, they're playing a little bit below, I think, their, their capabilities. Um, I think that it took a little bit too long for them to gel. They had a couple bad... Um, performances, you know, they sh- I think they should have beaten the Lakers pretty handily, although the Lakers are improved. But I think that they're playing a little bit below level. I don't think a lot of players around Westbrook have truly hit their gear, including Steven Adams and such. But if those pick up, then I think they'll get back to playing a little bit better basketball than they are right now. Yeah, I think they're I think they're playing right about where they are as a, for a talent level. Um, they've had a they've had a fairly easy schedule, which is good for them to kind of get used to the the new system without Durant. Um, again, as you mentioned, the key thing is that a lot of the players around Westbrook really haven't gotten comfortable with their roles exactly. Old Depot's been a little bit too inconsistent, though he's playing better as of late. Um, so it's important for him to develop, obviously Adams to develop, um, because those two players are going to become crucial when Westbrook gets tired throughout you know, the, the real crucial late st- stages of the season um, with that sky-high usage percentage. So um, I think they're playing basically where, they, where I expected them to play. Four, the Utah Jazz, above or below? Um, I think they're playing a little bit above. Um, you know, just considering that Gordon Hammer's out up for a little bit and now they have Derek Favors, is, you know, had some injury problems in the last couple of weeks. I think that, you know, sitting over 500 at this position, um, given that they haven't had really full health yet, is um, quite impressive just, uh, just for where they are now at this point in the season. Yeah, I'm going to say below actually because well basically because of the injuries I mean if this team is healthy they are really good if they if you promise me that the Jazz would be health fully healthy you know a couple games missed here or there but nothing significant for the rest of the season I would confidently pick them to be the fourth seed in the West that's how good I think this team is I just looked it up the other day because I was preparing for um, my other podcast they have the fourth best a fourth or fifth best net rating in the league and they have a top three defense, and they have, I think, the ninth or 11th offense. They are an elite team when they're healthy. They just need to be healthy, and they never seem to be healthy. So if you promised me they would be healthy for the rest of the season, I would confidently pick the Jazz as the four seed. That's how high I am on them. Number five, it's just, we can speed it up a little bit. The Atlanta Hawks, above or below? Uh, below, definitely below. I think that 
you know, being only one game over 500 at this point in the year is a disappointment. I think all the Hawks fans and the players themselves would think they would be doing a little bit better than, what are they, seventh in in the East right now? Seventh or so? Yeah, I think so. They're, 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 yeah, I agree. They're below. They they started off high. I think they were like nine and three at some point. They've lost seven, six of the last eight or something. And there seems to be they had a players only meeting, and something seems to be wrong there already, um, yeah. which is not a good sign so early in the season. Number six, the Chicago Bulls, above or below? Um, I have them exactly where I think they would be at the beginning of the year. I think that a lot of people didn't think this team was going to gel very well. And I thought they were still going to be above 500. I mean, the East doesn't look very good this year, so that's why they're sitting in third right now. But I think that, you know, at this point, through whatever, I think they've played like almost 20 games. That they're like three games over, which is about where I thought they would be to begin with. Yeah, I think they're playing. I think they're playing. Yeah, I think they're playing right at their talent level. I think, I mean, I had them missing the playoffs when I was doing predictions, and I didn't doubt their talent level. I doubted the fit of the talent level. I doubted the lack of three-point shooting, the kind of alpha dog issues between Rondo, Wade, and Butler, but those have been solved pretty easily. The shooting is not terrible. It's not great, but it's not terrible enough to kill them. And the, Wade and Rondo have easily passed, not essentially passed the torch, but just saying, you know, Butler, this is your team. Go and lead us, and he's become... I forgot about mentioning him. I think he's a legit MVP candidate, at least in my top five, what he's doing so far this season. Number seven, the Charlotte Hornets, above or below? Um, I think they're below. I think that... This team has a lot of talent, and I think that coming into this year, people were projecting them to be, I thought they were going to be, you know, 10, 12 games over 500. I think that that sitting at 11 and 8 is not very where I would expect them to have been at this point through 20 games. Yeah, they've had a couple of nagging injuries. I expected the the Hornets to be a pretty good team because they're one of those teams that's good on both ends, and they're really well coached. I have to agree they're a little bit below right now. But if they get in the groove and they get a little bit healthier, I think they'll, you know, start winning off, rattling off some wins. Uh, number eight, the Portland Trailblazers, above or below? Uh, below. I wasn't high on this team, but I still think that they are much better than their 500 record that stands right now. Um, I thought they would have been like a six seed, you know, comfortably over 500 in the West. Yeah, a lot of people, I saw a lot of people picking them to win 50 games. I was not high on them. I think I picked them to win one more game than they did last season, um, and I'm, I'm, they've been playing really below their actual level, I believe, but though they do have legitimate, you know, fundamental concerns, especially on the defensive end, so below for the Blazers. Number nine, the Memphis Grizzlies, above or below? Um, I think they're playing a little bit above. I think that this team has surprised a lot of people in the West, you know, they're four games over 500. They're playing competitive game against the the big teams. I think they beat the Clippers earlier this year, did they not? In LA, yeah. Yeah, they beat they beat the Clippers earlier this year, which was an impressive win, and it, it really made a statement to say that you know we can compete with some of the the bigger names in the West. Um, so I think they're playing above. I think they're playing right about their talent level. I thought going into the season, if they stayed healthy, they would be a, a really good team, top six seed. Of course, Mike Conley is hurt now for six to eight weeks, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with them. And I think next month, if we do it above or below again, you know they could be below, but mainly due to injuries. All right, two more: the Washington Wizards, above or below? Uh, below. I mean, I didn't think this team was that good. Once again, I didn't think that team was that good to begin with. But you know, five games under, with some pretty bad losses to start the season, um, also just just furthers the notion of like you know discord and you know, confusion and conflict in that locker room, which is not going to help. Their start is definitely not going to help that, so below. 
Yeah, I agree. They're way below. And then it's interesting. We talked about them maybe being desperate to make a move to make the playoffs, but it's more likely, I think, if they continue on this pace, they're just going to blow it up with some kind of trade that is pretty significant that could change the NBA landscape. And the final team, the Miami Heat, above or below? Um, I think that the Heat are below. Um, you know, they aren't necessarily the most talented team in the East to begin with, but I don't think anyone, myself included, thought they were going to be five games under through a quarter of the season. Um, you know, they have some good pieces there. They have Dragos, they have Whiteside, um, but I still think that, you know, they've been improving recently. They were really down in the standings a couple weeks back, but now I think that they're still playing below their level. Yeah, I agree. I think I had them as like a 38-win team, so they're still kind of behind that pace, but they've had, had, they've had some injuries. Um, I think last night against the Jazz, they've won back-to-back games on a back-to-back, which is impressive, um, but I think they had like Ray Magruder playing 33 minutes for them, which is re- re- uh, absurd. Concerning. Yeah. Um, so I think they're playing a little bit below. They're not a good team, but they're better than this, and speaking of hard schedules, because we talk about the Rockets a lot on the road, I think the Heat have something where like 15 of their first 20 games were above, against above 500 teams. So that's going to even itself out, and they'll get some easier games, and hopefully they can get healthy and play a little bit better. So, of course, there are more teams, but you know that we, this is a Free Talk Friday kind of casual episode. We want to keep it short and sweet. So um, when we do these segments on, on the upcoming Fridays, um, we'll dive into some other teams that we didn't touch upon today. And with that, that concludes the first episode of Free Talk Friday here on the 94 Feet Report. Again, I'm your host, Eric Spiropoulos. You can find me on Twitter, at Eric Spiros. Um, Alex, why don't you throw out your Twitter and where people can follow you? Um, my Twitter is uh, Spiro1495. Um, you can just follow me on there. Well, some basketball stuff, some political stuff, a nice mixture of both. Yeah, so follow Alex. Follow me, um, at Eric Spiros, on Twitter. You can follow the show on Twitter, at the 94 Feet Report, or on Facebook. Again, we just started our 94 Feet Report blog. The link is on my Twitter as well or our Facebook. Um, and just you know, stay tuned on iTunes, Stitcher, or our Blog Talk radio page for our podcasts. And then the blog, obviously, for my articles that go in-depth on a wide variety of topics and storylines in the NBA. All right, guys, have a great weekend. We'll be back um, Tuesday morning with an, another um, hour-long traditional episode of the 94 Feet Report. Take care, guys.